Welcome everybody to our summit uh, with Dr. Jennifer Williams. Uh, so this is a free PD event brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Quick plug about that. You can learn more about Human Restoration Project on our website, which is humanrestorationproject.org. And that's where you'll find a bunch of free resources for educators. You'll find podcasts. You'll find all of our previous PDs um, and more pertaining to progressive ed. So thanks for people that bring that to us. Um, one thing to note, this PD works best when everyone participates and shares ideas or questions or, you know, reflections, things of that nature. In the bottom left hand corner of Jitsi, you'll find uh, three buttons. Uh, the big ones that pertain to you are the second button, which is the raise hand button. So if you want to jump in, but you still want to turn your, your webcam on randomly, uh, that's a good way to indicate to us that you want to speak. Or the third button, which is the chat button. So that just allows you to bring up the chat window. Um, you can ask questions there as well. Um, so I'll quickly introduce myself and then Jennifer, I'll turn it over to you. Uh, my name is Chris McNutt. I'm the founder of Human Restoration Project. Uh, I teach digital media and design uh, full time at a public high school. I teach ninth grade um, and experiential learning for me is huge, especially social justice work through art. Um, I've been doing a lot of cool stuff this year with uh, basically empowering learners by giving them the tools that they need to communicate power through design. And that's been really interesting because I've never taught it before. Uh, so it's it's working. It's going. Um, and, and then Jennifer, over to you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Good to talk again. I know we talked uh, with Julia. What was it about a month ago? Six weeks ago? Yeah. Love that conversation. So thrilled to be back and thank you for hosting this this hour all around SDGs and taking action for the world. Um, I'm Jennifer Williams. I'm here from Florida, my home, and I am um, the executive director of Take Action Global with my partner, Kuhn Temmers. He's currently in Nairobi, heading back to his home tomorrow in Belgium. And we work to connect educators and students to their passions through social action and student activism. I'm also the co-founder of Teach SDGs, a movement, a global movement of educators working to bring the SDGs to classrooms and empower student voice um, through taking action around all of the 17 sustainable development goals. I'm a professor here in Florida and my background, I was in K-12 education for 20 years started as a speech pathologist, really on the science side of communication, then moved to a Montessori World School where my eyes were open to peace curriculum, global collaboration, uh, building global competencies with students, and really finding um, kind of shifting from the science of communication to, to the art. So uh, excited to talk with this group you have assembled here today and ready to take action with you all. Awesome. So thanks again, Jennifer. I'm like stoked right now. Uh, I'm, I'm super excited to share out some stuff and build some cool things. I think we can all walk away with some really valuable insights to how we can basically radicalize our classroom to have kids change the world. Uh, it's a, I mean, you can't get much better than that. Um, so we have three questions here that will kind of go around. We don't necessarily have to hit these in order or even hit all of them, but they're just starter questions. Um, and I'll stop sharing my screen here in a second so we can actually talk to each other. Um, but all the questions are framed around starting SCG related pro uh, projects. So talking about how do we get students interacting with them? How do we get started? How do we uh, coach students through the process? And basically, how do we get inspired to do these things? Um, so 
Jennifer, I'll let you start off with this first question here, and then we can just take it from there. We can just discuss things. People can come in and ask questions, give feedback, et cetera, as we go. But let's just start with, how does one become inspired to start an SDG-related project? And how can we incorporate student inspiration and voice to the planning process? Mm -hmm. These, kind of, these questions are kind of everything, aren't they? Yeah. Um, and maybe just to back up one step uh, in case people aren't aware of what the SDGs are. And sure. I know we're, we're joined today by a lot of our SDG uh, change makers. So they're, they're uh, well informed on what the SDGs are, but anyone listening in that doesn't know. Um, and I think at one point I saw, and this was several years ago, so this, this may have changed that um, ninety percent of the world aren't even aware of what the SDGs are. So, SDGs, also known as the Global Goals, some may call them the Global Goals, the Sustainable Development Goals. These are seventeen goals that we, as a world, all of us, have agreed upon to uh, work towards. They came out through the UN in two thousand fifteen, and then we are working together to reach them by the year 2030. So they cover things like poverty and hunger and life on land and life below water and climate action and peace and um, partnership, SDG 17, one of my favorite goals. We actually have our very own goal in goal number four, which is quality education um, for all. And those two words have kind of uh, taken over my profession at this point. So seeking out quality education for everyone anywhere. And so um, we as teachers, we do all of these goals though, right? It's not just SDG four where we fall in, it's, it's, it's all of them. So when we talk about SDGs in the classroom, which is kind of new uh, with the goals only being out since 2015, I think we had some people jumping in in 2015, 2016, even 2017, but something big happened in 2018 and all of a sudden we just saw this explosion of teachers really connecting to the goals. So the last few years we've seen uh, a, lot of, a lot of great things happening around the goals. So hmm. it also, um, we see teachers that have been, I mean, they've been doing this work forever. If it had the name SCG on it or not, project-based learning, place-based learning, um, social justice, student activism, all different words for the same thing. And really how are we empowering our students in the classrooms to take action on the work that they want to and the change they want to uh, see in the world. So let me, uh, I'll pull up your questions here. So your first one, it's kind of a two-parter. So how mm -hmm. does one become inspired to start an SDG related project? Um, it's, it's interesting right now, and I just came back from IdeaCon in Chicago talking, a lot of educators there talking around ed tech. Ed tech uh, educators in the ed tech space are at the forefront, I think, of this work because they're already starting to find ways to empower student voice through different forms of technology. It doesn't have to be ed tech. I mean, we have a lot of great things happening in an analog way, but I think really for me, it's about innovation, innovating with ideas and um, actions. But a big, a big theme there, and I've been seeing, is how are we moving our students from this place of consumption? So like for me, and um, I've talked about this before, where when I started teaching, which was a long time ago, I was basically handed my, my boxed curricula and kind of told to 
push go. And um, I had this guidebook and I, I knew knew what I needed to do. And that never really felt right. So now what we're starting to see is this move towards from consumption to creation, getting students to create and think and inquire. Um, but for me, this is this work, what we're talking about here is one step further. And so we're moving it from consumption to creation to then taking action. And um, it's definitely a process. I think with that, though, with consumption, creation, taking action, um, it's not this linear path where take action is the, the end goal and we, we forget about the others. I think we still have this role that we need to play as teachers in sharing high quality and um, relevant, reliable information with our students. So it's not like consumption, in my opinion, should just go away. We need to. Uh, just have this this healthy balance. Um, but when we look at the SDGs and and I look to to social work, which really has been the profession to lead lead this um, for so long, and educators have been doing it, but really didn't understand if that was their role. But we're talking about environmental justice and sustainability and social inclusion and um, peace and harmony and collaboration. So when we're wanting to get them, started. For me, a lot of teachers uh, that I see are ready to jump right into the project and, and move right to that point where, okay, let's um, pick something today that we're going to work on and then we'll go from there. And that's the fun part. I mean, that's definitely where the energy is, but I think there's so much work to be, to be done before even getting that to that point. Um, for me, I, I think a good starting point for teachers that are, mm -hmm. are ready to move into work around SDGs is um, to look at space and time. I think that's a, a great place to begin. And looking at spaces, uh, first off, is your space set up for social good work, student activism? And so I got very interested in learning space design through my, um, my role in Montessori and environment is key in Montessori. And so as I left K-12 in 2014, I started, uh, global was my thing, you know, it's always been my thing. And so I was trying to go out and um, get schools to kind of jump into this work for, because it, it changed so much for me. And they were kind of, and then 2014, they were at that point where a lot of schools had taken on technology. They had gone one-to-one, -one, um, they were bringing in carts and all of a sudden they were saying, okay, now we brought in all this tech and um, hardware, but now we were finding that our spaces aren't prepared for this. So these rows of desks aren't gonna work with our one-to-one -one initiatives. So we started to see some some interest in space design. I kind of see the same thing happening with student activism and social good work, because even if we've moved to tables and collaborative spaces, have we yet looked at our even our own spaces in terms of uh, social good and optimizing those spaces for the conversations that we want want to inspire. So are our students represented in our own classrooms first, like starting there and then and then looking at time too. So we've seen some really cool things coming about in terms of scheduling and time, like genius hour and 20% time. Um, it's a good start, it's a good start. But for me, I think, um, and I think we've talked about this as a group in the past, this I believe needs to be part of everything, you know, part of the DNA of, 
of the classroom. So, sure. so for me, that's the first point is just looking at space and time before we even get to the conversation of how do we begin with the projects? Yeah, that's, I, I really like that, that idea of space and time. And I would imagine that people here today, or maybe that are listening in, um, maybe feel like they're up against a wall. Like if you teach in a more traditional or like legacy style environment, and someone wants to shift the schedule around, sometimes that might come across as um, hard to do or, or difficult. What suggestions would you have for those that are highly constrained, as in they teach in a very traditional environment, it's like a 45 minute period, you have, you're, you have the desk that you got, you're not necessarily one-to-one, although you might have like a, a laptop cart. As I can think of so many people on that boat that every day, I mean, it's, it's a struggle, but I know you can still do at least something with this. Yeah. That, that's such a great question. And so uh, I get that a lot because the variables, when we talk about space design, the first thing that often comes to educators' minds, the physical space. So um, when we, I'll go in and it's almost like this, I know what's going to happen because when I go in to do a, tr- a room or a school transformation, the first question that's often asked like most of the time is what color should we paint the walls? So walls take precedence and, and it's, you know, it's important to think through, but it needs to be an intentional process. So, so walls and the next is chairs. So they want movable chairs. Uh, casters is a big conversation, but the variables that, um, teachers can't control are the things that come into our mind first. So there's things that we won't be able to control. Um, Budget might be one thing, Uh, number of windows in a room, um, number of chairs and desks. So for me, it's let's shift it to the things that we can control. So um, a couple things. So one would be looking at So the space that you do have, the furniture in your room, looking at it in terms of accessibility. So access to the information that you're providing or the information that the students are going and exploring. And that can be as simple as you sitting in every chair in the room. So making sure if you sit in the very back of the room, what is the uh, relationship that the students have with the information you're providing from that spot? What about the front spot? Um, So that's number one. And then the questions that we're asking our students. So this is huge. So if we're showing them that we see them, that they matter, are we asking them, how does the temperature feel for you? Are you able to hear me in the back of the room? Where do you see yourself represented? in our space. So if we start with those things and we commit to those types of questions uh, over time, then we see a change uh, in behavior and engagement. Awesome. I, I, I really like that concept of like sitting in every single chair. I've never thought about that before. Um, I, I like the idea of universal accessibility and ensuring that everyone is, is, is capable of understanding what's going on. Um, do you see then a pairing between when you think about getting student inspiration and voice into the planning process of an SDG project, do you think the best place to get started is waiting for students to kind of come into the room and say, hey, this is an issue, I wanna solve it? Or what is the role of the educator in inspiring students to get started? I know it's kind of like a chicken and the egg argument, yeah. um, but you know, how do we typically go about doing these things? Mm-hmm. Um, So my best advice for teachers is to show up as you. And I mean, like Julia's here today, if you show up as you and you're you're unapologetic about that and say, these are my passions and this is what I'm doing and you're fired up about it. I mean, Julia, before we jumped on just the beginning of this, saying that yesterday her students 
together were crying, seeing what's happening out in the world because they're so moved, this emotion. Um, so showing up as you, I think bringing your passions in um, and the best advi advice I got is start before you're ready. Like just, you've got to just jump in. And I think if you do that, instead of waiting for them to come, because I think a lot of times our students don't yet know what their passions are. Um, I think they're passionate, but I'm not sure if they know where to place that energy. So um, just kind of helping them go through that process. And it doesn't have to be like, I was passionate about Africa when I was eight years old. Um, it was just something that was in me. But I was also passionate about baking cupcakes for the students in the hospital down the street. Um, so, I mean, there's there's a lot of things when we're especially going through adolescence that are going to pop up that we want to take action on. So I see our role maybe not um, guiding that part of it, like where are they, what are they going to end up putting their energy into, but showing them what that process can look like. I think that's a really good point. Uh, Julia, I know you wanted to jump in. Awesome. I just want to really, I love the idea of time and space. And I think for me, it also is about mindset. It's about meeting our kids at the door and that first day saying, I see you, let's create this classroom space together. These are the, this is the time like we get to be present with each other and share these moments with each other. So like in my classroom, we create our common vision together. We create the space, we create um, just the synergy of a group collaboration revolved around PBL. So it's, there's a central question that we start with at the beginning of every year, but we, we take the first, I don't even know how long to build those relationships, not just between people, but in the classroom and in our school, we, we travel around, we do a gallery walk. We really, cause I, I have the gift of getting to teach sixth graders. So they're, this is their first experience in a middle school and they don't, they, they don't quite know where they stand yet. And at the same time, they are so eager to just jump in and learn and become their future selves that when you offer them that launch point to, hey, here's a question that, that's really about you. Where do you fit in? How do you want to make your mark on the world? Our, our question is, how do you want to make a dent in the universe? But when you offer them the opportunity to share their voice and grow their voice in a way that allows them to open their eyes in a different way than they've opened them and they've seen the world before, you just get to step back and they share everything they're looking for with you. Um, that's what's so powerful for me about the SDGs and Take Action Global. It's just, it's a launch point for kids to choose to learn and see the world in a way that allows them to connect authentically, not just with themselves, but what's with what's happening in the world around them. So I would just add love time, love space. But for me too, it's so much about mindset and a shared vision for global citizenship that includes every voice in the room and elevates kid and amplifies the voices of kids everywhere. Hmm. That's amazing. I, I'm, I'm completely with you. And I, I really like that idea of um, providing a voice for students first before you didn't say anything about content, 
which I think is telling. I think that's, you know, it's intentional, um, but it's about the student first and then we can, you know, they'll get the content from doing things. But I think often when we do PD, um, that's not really brought up. Um, so it's it's great that we have this intentional focus on student voice authentication and recognizing the learner for who they are and giving them that voice or providing them the space for that voice. That would be a better way to say it. Uh, that's that's awesome. Um, Nick, go ahead and jump in. Yeah, for sure. Um, so so Chris had asked a question about, um, you know, kind of overcoming barriers, traditional barriers in terms of seating and scheduling. and. Um, one thing that I kind of think about uh, in terms of trying to to break down some of the barriers to teachers in, you know, everyday public school classrooms is is trying to find a standards connection to it. And I wish my, my copy of Teach Boldly is at school right now. Um, and I know you have that crosswalk that's in there um, that connects it to to to. Um, oh, dang, I don't remember the framework for it. But but how do you standards? Yes. Yes. <laughs> how do you. How, so, so I imagine that you had that in there. It's like right in the beginning of the book for for a reason to help teachers see that like there's connections to your standards right away. But um, do you have ex experience or or have you had positive experiences helping teachers, you know, make those connections to curriculum and those kinds of things? Um, yeah, that's 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 what I'm really curious about. With the goals, absolutely, and and it's the goals. What I've seen, it's really interesting because. It doesn't matter if you're a humanities teacher or a science teacher or if you're ELA or we were even talking about art at the beginning. These cross-curricular uh, content area type of learning, um, these goals are in it already. And so I haven't found teachers struggling to find connections with standards because I think they're like, oh, yeah, like when we talk about any of these projects, they're like, yep, I can start pulling here and here and here. And this. And then it's almost like those light bulbs, like oh, I've been trying to figure out a way to get this standard in. Um, so kind of going back to the point of not having it be something distinct or separate, but bringing it right into the work that you're doing. So it brings our students out of the textbook, out of the stories that they're reading and brings them right into the story that they're that they're creating. So but we I mean, I think we I think even it's we've got to find those standards um, that we believe in um, for a lot. And I'm at the university level. And so my we, we have we're kind of handed our, our standards that we're going to work with. And if you've been in education for a while, they're going to switch. You know, you're going to see some movement with those. For, um, for me, there's ones that I really align to. There's there's um, frameworks that are put out by the Asia Society that I think are really great. Um, ISTE standards for students, educators, education leaders, and coaches really resonate with me. Um, I think, so there's there's ones beyond the ones that we're, we're using within our districts that we can look to as well. And so you mentioned the ISTE standards with Teach Boldly. So. So yeah, I, I think that um, it hasn't been too much of a problem with the teachers I've, I've talked to. That's awesome, that's great. Um, because that's one thing that I think, like I, I'm a, I, I teach economics and that's where I try mm -hmm. to bring, I, I tried this semester to bring in that SDG approach. Um, and, and fortunately I'm in a context where I'm kind of able to like, like I think Chris and Julia were saying, kind of start with students and then we can, we can always make a standard connection to things. Um, so for example, I had, um, a group of students that I worked with pick the, uh, the, the life underwater, um, SDG, and they wanted to look at 
that um, advances in uh, you know marine life exploration and some th- and bring those things to the classroom too. Um, and so I thought that was really cool. But if I tried to justify that and tried to connect it to the economics curriculum, like I don't, I I would make us I I would have a hard time justifying that. But as far as you know, connecting students to the world outside of class, connecting them to those interdisciplinary things. Like, I think it's super vital, but, and, and I don't, so I don't know if there's some tension in there, you know, between those content standards and putting content kind of first before students and the SDGs. That's kind of one thing that I'm just interested in kind of exploring going forward anyway. And I think too, um, like in that case, I've had teachers that have to design for it. So there's teachers that will join projects and they'll go, yeah, like what we were saying, this is good because this aligns to something that I've already been working on or working toward. But um, if you're if you're on Twitter and been following, there's two educators. They uh, they've never met. They're in different parts of the United States. And so Ron and Spencer and they have created this project and they were just inspired around the work of the SDGs, wanting to bring it into their their classrooms in a meaningful way. So it's shoes for a cause with SDGs. So they had this they already had the space. And so they were trying to find a meaningful way to use it beautiful classroom spaces. They have the students that are eager and ready. And then they had them go through this maker experience to prototype these shoes. And each pair of shoes was aligned to one of the SDGs. So they were in, they're problem solving, they're collaborating, um, they're using all of these engineering um, concepts. And then uh, they took it to that next level. So, you know, thinking of creation to taking action, they then took it to the next level. They created a website. They um, had bidding up for each of the pair of shoes. So then they're starting to see the the economic um, connections to their Mm -hmm. work. And then they selected three causes that then the money would go towards funding. So, and they were, they were in it, like all of that process, not a teacher standing saying, okay, I created this project for you. So student voice was infused through it all and standards and what we know we need to hit with, um, with our standards of practice. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, It was so cool to see. Can I jump in really quickly? Yeah, for sure. Sorry. So that project is phenomenal. And I reached actually out to Ron and he shared his whole slideshow. And he is someone who just he's so open to sharing everything. I feel like anyone, though, who's working with the SDGs right now is um, anyone who participated in the goals project last year. The library that you created, Jennifer, that that showcases each of those projects Um, my kids are infatuated with. They're each choosing a project to connect to for their current project. And so when you share the work of teachers and students and kids get to see what's going on in the world, they get to bring that into the standards. Like that's my favorite thing to do is it's, it's more than just, you know, look at my standards. I have the gift of being a language arts teacher. So we get to read and we get to write and I can choose books that connect to every single SDG. Right now we're doing an SDG book club and my kids are reading everything from Parkland, the book about the experiences of the Parkland kids because they've chosen SDG 16 um, and they're doing their entire project on school violence to the boy who harnessed the wind. And they're super into seven and clean energy. But 
again, more than just choosing a book or choosing the content that connects with the SDGs, my favorite thing to do is put the standards in the hands of the kids. Like I literally put the Colorado standards in their hands and say, where's global citizenship fit in? Which goal is it? Where do, where, where do the goals fit? And then I put in our school's mission statement. And I'm lucky because my school's mission statement is phenomenal. And I was on, like, I helped to create it. And our kids helped to create our mission statement in our school because we're so invested in kid, vo- kid voice. But put the, your mission statement in front of them. Put your district's mission statement in front of them. And let the kids get their hands messy into what is a standard and what does this mean and how can I connect with this and if you look at it like this, then maybe it, oh, wow, look at that, responsible consumption and production right there. Like I'm a learner in a classroom. I get to choose how I experience my world. This is not about anything other than me owning the space that for me to be me and become my best self. My school district wants me to be a responsible global citizen in this space. And when kids know that and they feel that, everyone's mindset changes everything time space everything shifts because everybody's invested and everyone believes in the learning process so i just offer that up to any teacher who's struggling with how does it fit or hey i'm supposed to put content first use that as a tool to create access for your kids because it's there and just sit down with them and help them see it yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I, I think it reflects too, I mean, the research. I mean, there, there's plenty of research that demonstrates that students who maybe cover quote unquote less content, meaning that they have less worksheets or they're they're not going through the standards as traditionally as a as a quote unquote normal student would, um, actually do a lot better on traditional means of assessment. So they do better on standardized tests. In other words, um, it works um, because students are interested, they're motivated, they're not bored at school, it's interesting, it connects to things. So if we were viewing this from a purely academic standpoint, um, it's good in that way too. And obviously the the major thing is of course, the fact that the students are doing something that matters and it's authentic and they, they get to really uh, change the world. And it's, it's, it's awesome. Um, and I, I wanted to move into uh, the second question, uh, Jennifer, which deals with where do you go to find materials? So you have all these students, they're, they're ready to start this project. They have an idea about what they want to <laughs> do, but how do you then coach them through this process? What um, websites are there? What things are like, for example, you have like teach SDGs with the project page. What things are out there that students could reference? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> and it's hard right now, I think, because teachers are trying to navigate through it. Um, but for me, and, and I think even to Julia's point, as you describe standards and you, what I picture when you, you were talking was you as a co-learner with your students, even around standards. Um, and that's what I feel like the beauty of these newer movements like Teach SDGs and even things like Maker, even Ed Tech to a degree, is that these are new spaces for us as teachers. I mean, the SDGs are new for everyone. Um, So we are forced to be co-learners 
with our students. So instead of like, I'm ELA as well, Julia. So like, if we talk about phonemic awareness and phonics, I got it. Like I've been doing that my whole career. I feel like an expert in that. But when we talk about things like partnership for the goals, um, this is something I'm working through right now. And I'm, I'm trying to find the best resources, the best path to get there. Um, so I'm going through my own um, design thinking process. But I think that that's, that's kind of where I would direct teachers first is to look at um, which whatever design thinking process you adhere to. So I adhere to human centered design. So design thinking being a five phase approach to problem solving human centered design, I feel works really well in education. Um, they're just an innovation in general, but moving through a three phase approach, which is implement uh, inspiration, ideation, implementation, and then it kind of starts over. And Starting there, so going through that process with your students and the process will guide you to the resources just by by the way it works. Um, I think being intentional about incorporating research into the work and um, also thinking about the community resources you have as well. I, I, I think that um, I could probably get some pushback on this, but I know we've for so long, we were at these local levels, and then there was this big trend to go global, which I'm all global, like global is my thing. But I really think we're going to start to see this this um, reverse back to local levels and seeing what, what do we have here, just because of everything that we're going to be seeing in the next 15 to 20 years. So what do we have right in front of us um, before we start to move out to, to different resources? I think um, IDEO, if you're talking about website resources, IDEO is a great one to look at with human-centered design. So there's um, they, they break it down by mindsets. They break it down by phase of where you're at in the process. So um, maybe not looking at one specific tool, like, okay, today we're going to use fill in the blank. It's let's figure out what that tool is together. Um, strategies, I'm, I'm big on strategies over tool. And so things like uh, dot voting and story uh, storyboarding and gut checking and bundling ideas to find affinity. So it's definitely going to be more of an exercise than a platform. And then, so if we look at things like dot voting, which I, I really, really, uh, I love doing with with any groups, we could do that in an analog way, or we could look to tools like Nearpod has a great uh, feature called Collaborate that's awesome for drop voting, uh, Stickies.io, Padlet. So it's kind of the tools at the end um, and thinking about what's the best the best direction to, to guide our students. So, um, but there's a lot of, if we're looking at using a tech resources, creativity, uh, creation tools, collaboration, anything that's going to enable our students to request and receive feedback, really important in this work around SDGs and then also storytelling. But um, there's, there are, there's, we're seeing more and more groups that are aligning to the SDGs, but it's not like there's going to be this one curated library that you go to and that's where you're going to end, which I think is the beauty of it. Like, I don't know if we want that. And we've, we've been, uh, really hesitant to do that with teach SDGs because we get a lot of people going, just kind of show me the path. Give me that step-by-step -step playbook that takes me exactly where I need. I need A, B, and C. And we're, 
uh, though we could do that really easily, we say, you know what, just put it back to your kids, put it back to your kids and, and see what they come up with, because that's kind of what it's all about. Yeah, I, I like that idea of moving away from um, it, it's exactly the same as I think we want with our students, which is we don't want them to be like technicians. We don't want them to follow a step by step guide and just learn how to do things by rote memorization. So, of course, teachers are learning the exact same thing which in my opinion requires a lot of unlearning. I think it's difficult, especially if you've been in the field for a while or you just went through a traditional teacher education program to get to the point where you feel comfortable um, kind of ditching the script because the majority of people, at least in my opinion, still follow that script. Um, so you feel kind of rebellious. Um, so, you know, you have all these different frameworks, you have all these different ideas. Is the, is the concept then just to jump in? Do you just do it? Or are there steps that you would take where it's like, hey, for one week, I'm just going to try doing this? Um, I think it's going to just depend on the teacher and his or her uh, style and approach. For me, um, hmm, it's kind of a mix. Like it's a jump into the work, but it's a very intentional process uh, because I think of it like if, you know, like if we were going to build a house, like, yeah, I could go out right now and just start building. But if I don't have that blueprint and I don't have that um, project management plan, project management huge for our kids, like the world they're going out into, do they have these skills and knowing how to um, move to that place of creating something? So, um, so I think, no, I think that having an idea of where you're heading and then work backwards from there would be the way I would do it. Uh, it's going to look very different. I like how Julia's point of having it be very messy. I think messy is, is mm -hmm. good and not knowing the answers, but I, I feel like, like kind of going back, we need to have, we need to have our spaces prepared and ready. We need to have availability within our schedules. Time has to be there. Um, and then we just immerse ourselves in the process and stay there for a long time, as long as you can. Um, for, for me, that's, that's where I, I see that magic start to happen and being okay if you need to pivot you know we're like okay we were heading in this direction but now we're seeing that something else came up um being ready for change inviting change and then at that very last point when the kids are like okay i want to get that you know video created and that's a great point of celebration but everything that happens up until that point is really going to be um, where the learning's going to occur I love that idea of pivoting because I, I know it's something that's happened yeah, in my class multiple times. Here, go ahead. Um, thanks. I like, I just, I love the way that I envision it um, is literally like I've been saying, it's a launch point. So I like picture almost like a rocket in my classroom. And I picture these dotted lines that show like, where do we want to go and how do we want to make it happen? And each kiddo's trajectory gets to be different and we get to cross over each other and we get to create different flight paths and we get to adjust for weather or adjust for change. And it's, so it's a building up and out and a reaching a kind of a, a global or and individual um, goal together. So instead of jumping in to something that can feel like, wow, it's, it's kind of, closing in around you in a way it's a it's an opening up and outward with momentum that 
does create that messiness and does collect um, all kinds of like cosmic dust along the way. It just, it allows for invention and opportunity and innovation and inspiration and every day to be absolutely different from the one before it based on a kid's choice and voice and what's going on in their life and in the world. So it's, it's kids becoming their own teachers in the classroom and us stepping aside to just provide a framework and hold space for that launch pad so kids can can move themselves into the world. Um, like you said, Jennifer, like a kind of like a project manager. We're just, hey, what else, where else would you like to go? Let me help you find the connections because that's to me the the strategy and the tool that kids need most right now. Like I'm feeling this, what do I do with it? Where do I go with it? How can I get connected here? How do I talk to an expert? What do you mean I need to send, be able to send this email or talk to somebody on the phone to ask this question? It's about teaching them the life skills that they need to be able to make sense of the world and then go follow through in what they are passionate about and what they do want to take action on. So that's how I see it. That's so good. I love that statement. Teaching life skills that they need to make sense of the world. I think you, I mean, I, I, that's a, how yeah. can you get more relevant than that? Um, just doing it uh, and just working through every single step of the process. Um, I, I think at this point, it actually would make some sense since we have so many people here who are engaged in Teach SDGs or at least familiar with it to potentially talk about the project that they've done. Um, and I know, Julia, you've been you've kind of going with that. And I know, Jennifer, I'm sure that you have a plethora of examples that you could share. Um, but I, I think it would just be cool to just bounce ideas, because I know for me that as we were talking about in that first step uh, in developing passion and purpose amongst our students, having some ideas to just say, hey, you know, what do you think about this? can bring students down that pathway to potentially really running with it. They they might need the first step of figuring out what it is that they want to do and learning from others' projects is a good process of getting there. Um, so Jennifer, I don't know if we want to start with you and then we can just kind of like go around, just share some ideas of things that we've done or things that were cool um, to potentially inspire those to engage in the SDGs. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um... Well, something that I've been involved in right now, and this is not necessary. We haven't made the direct connections to SDGs, but, um, and we didn't, we, I mean, student voices all over our conversation today, but we didn't go deep with that yet. Uh, but something I'm preparing for my session on student activism for South by Southwest. And um, I'm, I'm with this great panel who have done all of them incredible work within the United States. And so as we were saying, you know, we started planning and saying, okay, we're talking about student voice, student activism, where are the students in this? I mean, so I think us taking a step back and uh, saying, let's kind of rethink this here. And which is something like that, that check-in, you know, check-in with your students, check-in with yourself, um, because anything around innovation, around SDGs, when we're talking global, becomes big really fast. And it becomes fast really fast because it's like, okay, um, as Julia said, it just starts to build and build and build. And I think, how can we slow it down, um, also simplify it? So we, we um, these are coming in, we're I think up to nearly 100 now responses. We said, let's just get 
the kids in this. And so we put out a um, simple Google form survey and asking them some questions like, to my parents, I wish you knew, to my teachers, I wish you knew, to strangers, to haters, to friends. Um, All right. Hey, sorry for the interruption. It seems like we lost the last uh, eight or nine minutes or so of the PD. So I'm just going to fill in with our notes here. Sorry about that. We're still trying to figure out the best way to do video conferencing without any weird recording errors, but we're working on it. We'll make it work. So anyways, Jennifer wrapped up her points with this amazing form that she had where she collected student responses about how they're perceived by the world. And then uh, I interjected with a point about the mask you live in, which is a documentary where uh, in the documentary it's about young men, but it, it could be used for any context talking about what the world sees versus how you truly feel. And what you do is you take um, a group of students that you know very well. Um, and I would preface this by saying that in certain contexts, it might not work. You want, might want to make sure that there's some support because it can get pretty heavy. Um, you, you don't just want to like throw this out there. Um, but you have students sit in a circle and you tell them, hey, this is going to be a quiet, serious activity. So just, you know, you shouldn't be talking to each other, put some things away, that kind of stuff. You pass out a sheet of paper to everybody and you have them draw a mask on one side. And this mask is like a, a masquerade or like a superhero mask, something of that nature. And either on the mask or outside the mask, they'll write words about how they want their friends, family, peers, uh, how they want to be seen. Um, and usually, you know, it's things like uh, they want to look cool, they want to seem nice, they want to seem generous, etc., pretty, that kind of stuff. Um, then you tell them, hey, just again, we got to be quiet. Don't discuss this. But I want you to flip over that sheet of paper and I want you to write about how you actually feel about yourself or what you worry that people might think of you, the, the kind of the, the deep, dark reality uh, of who you truly are. And that's a really serious discussion. But I think it's something that we need to open up the students to have those spaces, because sadly, there's not a lot of spaces for those things to be shared. Um, and it helps build this connection later on. Uh, so you have them write down. Um, um, those those words, those descriptors, and a lot of times they all write down very similar things, like uh, they don't want to feel like they're ugly or that people, if the people actually like them or not, uh, they're worried that uh, they might be sick, that that kind of stuff. Um, so this, this is not the, the happiest activity typically. Um, so after they go and write down these different words, they crumple it up and. I just have them throw it into the center of the room. Um, so you then collect those crumpled up sheets of paper and then you redistribute them to people in the room. Um, I should note, I should have mentioned this earlier, but you don't have them write the names on the sheet of paper. Uh, so you redistribute them and then silent, silent, silently to themselves, the students will then read that sheet of paper and uh, you, you don't discuss it, really, you just all hand it back in. And the point of that activity is to showcase that everyone has this innate human connection and many of our concerns are the same no matter who we are. And it builds that classroom culture that Jennifer is getting at, which is a lot of times, especially in PBL or a traditional classroom, there's a strong teacher-student relationship, which is good, but you definitely want to have that. But a lot of times what's lacking is the student-to-student relationship. Um, they might have their own friend group Group, but outside of that friend group, I mean, I've had classes before in the past where students didn't know someone else's name almost a year into the, the school year. Um, so there's just not a lot of student to student interaction. And the goal of that activity is to develop those bonds. Um, so anyways, uh, that was one thing that was shared. 
there were only two other things, luckily, that we missed. Uh, so Julia Fliss shared out this project that she's been working on um, in Kakuma, which is a city in Kenya that houses a refugee camp. And uh, according to the website, 55% of people in Kakuma children do not have a school to go to. So Julia's students had just been reading a book. They had been reading A Long Walk to Water, which is by Linda Sue Park. And the main character, uh, Salvadut, uh, he starts the nonprofit in real life called Water for South Sudan. And her students were inspired by the story and were looking for ways to help. And it just eventually developed into the idea of helping to build a school in uh, Kenya and Kakuma and it just came to life like the school is actually being built based in part on the actions of Julia's class both raising money giving donations raising awareness um, which is awesome I mean you, you can't get more authentic than that actually building a real tangible thing that helps real people um, so I can't recommend enough checking more of that out you can find Julia on Twitter for Julia Fliss F-L-I-S-S um, as well as there's some links in the show notes to the project um, finally Jennifer showcased the work happening at tag.community. I would definitely look at that. There's a pre-registration window. From this recording, there's a week to register, and then it lasts for a couple of months. So tag.community is a way to tackle global goals in the classroom, developing the SDGs. And what makes it unique is, first off, it's all free. So you get to connect with all these other educators for absolutely free. And it's a good way that your students, as well as you, can connect with other educators around the world and work on these things together. Um, A lot of times, the biggest part of project-based learning is developing those connections and networking well this gives you the tools to get that and it's entirely free you just register and then you do some stuff and uh, jennifer wanted to call attention to the fact that you don't need to dedicate every single day for two months to make this project work everyone has different contexts different levels of flexibility on what they can do even if it's just like a week uh, that's still more meaningful than doing nothing at all Um, so definitely check that out Um, attached in our show notes is everything else we have all the notes we have a ton of resources in there that you can look at. I want to call special attention to, first off, at the aforementioned tag.community, but there's also teachsdgs.org. It has a ton of project ideas and templates from the past on what people have done, not necessarily to follow as a step-by-step guide, but maybe to look at as a teacher and also for your students to look at when they're trying to come up with ideas. They can play off of other people's ideas and remix them and come up with new ideas of their own. Further, there's also the I IDEO framework, IDEO framework, the ISTE, I-S-T-E standards, and teaching tolerances, social justice standards. All of those are really cool ways to look at framing SDGs in your class and framing experiential learning in general. And then obviously you can tie in your standard content standards um, as you go along. Uh, It's all about just trying to find different ways to look at things, to look at it from new perspectives and develop the best possible project you can and just bring in those different ideas. So thank you again to our attendees for uh, appearing on the summit and sharing their amazing knowledge and ideas. It's always just so energizing to hear what people have to say and see the amazing work they're doing inside their classrooms. And a special thank you to Dr. Jennifer Williams. Um, I mean, her knowledge on the SDGs is unparalleled. She has fantastic things pertaining to experiential learning. Um, So thank you to Dr. Jennifer Williams, as well as uh, if you like the summit, 
and you uh, want to attend a future one or maybe see a past one, you can visit us at humanrestorationproject.org. On there, you'll find a variety of free resources, our podcast, our writings, as well as all of our events, um, as well as ways to support us. Uh, if you want to see more future summits and appreciate what we do, I encourage you to check out our Patreon. So thanks again for joining us and have a fantastic day.